So we are in the second Sunday of Advent, and um, as I said, this is, um, at least for me, a very special time of the year. Um, Advent is a word that we created from the word, the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival. Do you know of any arrival that's going to be happening? And I, I, I'm not talking about uh, UPS or FedEx. Do you know of an arrival that's going to be happening in the next weeks? When that's what we're preparing for, that's what we're anticipating, that's what we're hoping for. And today is the second Sunday of Advent, which traditionally has been the Sunday of peace. So when I went through the lectionary and read through all the scriptures, Romans, believe it or not, is the only one that mentions peace. And it mentions it as almost an asterisk at the very end. And yet, I think that peace is a message that we as the church need more today than ever before. I think peace is something that we need to be looking towards. I mean, because we need peace. We need peace in our own hearts, do we not? We, need, we certainly need peace in our world, in our nation, in our communities. And believe it or not, we even need peace here in our church. God knows that we have sown enough division around the world. And so we, as followers of Jesus, it is our calling to work for peace, to look for peace, to seek peace. I mean, we're divided over politics, over culture. You know, there's all kinds of questions about marriage today and gender. I mean, you name it. We're divided over all these things. We're divided over economics. Do we tax the rich? Do we tax everybody equally? Do we not tax anybody? I mean, we, we are a divided people. And we are divided even as a church. We've been divided how we should worship together, um, let alone all the political and economic stuff. We're divided over that stuff too. But we're also divided over how we, wish, how we should worship together. Some of us like hymns. Some of us like contemporary music when we worship. Some of us are more orthodox, liturgical and traditional. Some of us are, are, are more pious, more spiritual. We like to be moved by the Spirit. And for all of these reasons, this is why we need peace on this second Sunday in Advent. I mean, lots of other reasons, but this is a good start, is it not? This morning I want to address this idea that we need peace with a purpose. Peace with a purpose. First of all, let me say that, that I cannot create peace. I cannot create a peaceful church. You cannot create peace. You you will not create a peaceful church. 
I can say that with confidence, that we cannot do this. I remember when I was a small child, and maybe not so small, when I would get into fights with my brothers. I had no sisters, so all I could fight with were brothers. And I, had, I have three of them, so we did a pretty good job. And one of the things that I remember was that when we would fight and my dad would be present, he would become quickly irritated. My dad was a very generous, very kind, very gentle man. But I know that there was one thing that would always send him over the edge, and that's when his sons were fighting. And when we got into these fights, I mean, we were into some humdingers. And so I remember my father looking at us and basically commanding us to make peace with one another. You will love your brother. Say you're sorry to your brother. You will accept your brother, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so we would, because we loved my dad. We would accept our brother. We would forgive our brother. We would love our brother, but not really. Because <laughs> deep down, we're still really angry. Now, I know none of you would ever do that. But that's what I would do when I was a child. And you could ask Patty that I don't ever do that now. Right, dear? You see, we can't create peace. We can't make peace. As much as we would like to try, it won't happen for us. Peace is a gift. Peace is a gift that comes from God. Paul demonstrates that for us in today's reading by praying for peace. I mean, he understands that this gift of peace is something that comes from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the very last verse of our reading, Jeff read for us today, it says this, I, this is Paul saying this, I, praying this, he says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. That God will fill you with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's prayer awakens that early church in Rome to the peace that they are seeking. You see, the church in Rome is experiencing some divisions. There is a big Jewish portion of the church and there is a big Gentile portion of the church, and they don't always get along. And so Paul is trying to address the division within the church by seeking God's peace for this church. And I think that that's really a great example for us, that when we have differences of opinions, whether it's politics or styles of worship or whatever it might be, that, that we as a church would come together in prayer and seek God's Holy Spirit to lead us into peace. 
What would it look like for us as a church to pray for peace? I, I know that's a novel idea. I think it could be transformative. I think it could change not just the church, but all kinds of things around us. Maybe beginning with our partner down the way here, the school. You see, prayer awakens us to God's Holy Spirit. And when we pray, God moves through us and grants us these gifts of hope and peace. Could you do that? Could you pray for peace? Maybe a better question would be, would you do that? Would you pray for peace? I don't know if you caught that, but I just did an iteration of Mr. Rogers. Could you, would you? So when we pray for peace, Paul says something extraordinary happens. We begin to experience hope. When we pray together for peace, we begin to experience hope. When we don't have peace, we don't experience any hope. I know this from personal encounters that I've had with married couples who are blowing apart as a couple. I mean, it is painful. It is awful to see the pain in people's lives. When I've counseled couples who are going through marriage conflict, let me just say that there is no peace. There is no peace. There is anger. There is hurt. There is vengeance. But there's no peace. And because there is no peace in that relationship, there is no hope for that relationship. Unfortunately, by the time I usually get involved, one of the two has made a decision to move on, and there is no peace, and there is no hope. You see, when we demand our own way, when we want to tell the other person why they are wrong, then we have become like that married couple that doesn't want to be married. When we demand our own way, we lose hope as a church. And when we begin to experience conflict and we resist any kind of harmony, what happens is that we lose hope because there is no peace. And when we lose hope, the world loses hope because the world still looks to you and me, the church, for hope, believe it or not. Let me say this. Even the world that doesn't believe in God, when they experience crisis, when they experience trauma, guess who they look to for hope? They look to us. I mentioned 9-11 earlier. I remember Hundreds of people coming to worship, coming to prayer services, because they were seeking hope. They were looking for hope, and they knew that whether they believed in God or not, that this might be a place where they could find it. 
And so when we are divided, when we are fighting, when we are in disagreements, we lose hope because we have lost our peace. Now, Paul was dealing with similar things in this early church in Rome. They, like our congregation, like every congregation, they had divisions. Paul says that some of them were strong in faith and some of them were weak in faith. And what Paul was doing was he was calling the strong to help the weak. Now, from our reading today, you might get the impression that that the Gentiles were the weak ones. Some of the scholars that I've read on this particular text said it was probably the other way around, that the Gentiles were being asked to help. No matter which way, what Paul is asking of us is that we who are strong, now you're all here, rainy morning, we all plan to be outside I mean you are dedicated you are dedicated worshipers you are strong Christians and so this is what I'm saying to you you need to help the weak you need to be there for the weak to encourage them to strengthen not to tell them why they're wrong you need to be there to show them what it means to be the church, to be a place of peace and a place of hope. Paul was calling the powerful to stoop down and to assist the powerless. In verse 7, he says this, Therefore, accept each other. Accept each other. Just as Christ accepted you. Wow. Accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given glory. My friends, you see, that is the ultimate purpose. Our purpose is not to be a church of peace. Our purpose is not to be a church of hope. Those are going to be outcomes when we are healthy and working together. But what we are called to do Our purpose is to bring glory and praise to God. And when we have peace, when we live with hope, we are glorifying God. In addition to praying, there are some things that we can do to help the Holy Spirit to bring a movement of peace. Believe it or not, in addition to praying, there's some things that we can do. What would it look like for us to pray for peace for our church and then to work for peace, to find ways that we can support one another, accept one another, encourage one another, be grace-filled to one another, then we would truly have hope. Especially this time of year, friends. Isn't this the time that everybody is looking for hope? I mean, if you put your hope in retail sales, 
Maybe you're going to get a surprise. I don't know. But I always hear it's great and until it's all over and then it's like, well, everybody returned everything, so it wasn't so great. If you want to put your hope in politics, there's some leaders who would like to have you worship them. If you'd like to put your hope in economics, there's economists who will tell you exactly what you should do. But if you want to be a true church of hope, what Paul says is that you will look to Jesus. You will look to God. Allow God to be the one who brings you peace, who gives you hope. Hope is something that we have longed for from the beginning. I mean, last week's theme was hope. Annie preached about hope. And it's something that we have been seeking ever since the beginning of time. Isaiah was called to preach on hope. And uh, see if I can find it here. I lost my bookmark. Here we go. This is what Isaiah wrote. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Could we say Jesus? The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You thought I made that stuff up for confirmation services, right? Or for baptisms? No, no, it comes right here from Isaiah. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor. He will make fair decisions for the exploited. And the earth will shake at the force of his word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and your yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. That is the hope that we are called to share with this world. That is where peace comes from, is that kind of hope. And we will have that kind of hope when we have peace with one another. We need to respect one another and to love one another. As Paul says, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with one another. And this is what the church is supposed to look like. A church united together. Listening to God's word opening up their hearts to the peace of Christ, the peace that passes all understanding, as Paul writes to us in Philippians. This is what the church is supposed to look like, a place of peace that produces hope.
hope for the world. Could you do that with me? Would you do that with me? Let's begin then by praying for God's peace. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you that you are the God of peace. And as much as we try to create peace in our midst, we cannot do it. Open our hearts, Lord. Bring us to your cross. Put us on our knees so that we can open our lives to you, that you can create within us peace. Peace that never lies stagnant, but is always vital and active. We pray for that peace, Lord, the peace that you bring to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And when we begin to exhibit that peace, Lord, may that bring the world hope. Not hope in us, not hope in the church, but hope in you. That we may glorify you, God. That we may worship you and that we may praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.